Let's imagine the not-too-distant future. You feel more in control of your photos than you ever have before. You look forward to the regular creative dates on your calendar. You're moving forward on that project that means so much to you. You are on fire with inspiration, and you are finally scrapbooking consistently. This is not a hypothetical, it's a real-life possibility. And for the first time, I've created a workshop specifically focused on the problem of consistency. It's called Sparked, and I'm excited to share it with you for free. Visit simplescrapper.com sparked to get access to the training and make this possibility your reality. This is concrete evidence here of a good life, that, that we're okay, that, that we're doing right by these kids, that we are giving them a good life, that I, I have been given an amazing life. And to me, I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's much else that could, if there's other crafts that could do that for you. Welcome to Scrapbook Your Way, the show that explores the breadth of ways to be a memory keeper today. I'm your host, Jennifer Wilson, owner of Simple Scrapper, and author of The New Rules of Scrapbooking. This is episode 17. In this episode, I'm joined by Teresa Moxley, one of our newest creative team members, the crafter behind the Larkin Design blog and YouTube channel, and an avid pocket page scrapbooker. Hey, Teresa, how are you today? Hey, Jennifer, how are you doing? I am so good. We were just talking about how great it is that it's Monday morning and we're excited <laughs> to start the new week. <laughs> yes, absolutely. New week, new outlook. It's all good. So I'm so excited to talk to you this morning. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself to give some context for our audience? Well, first off, thank you so much for having me on the podcast and thank you for having me on your design team at Simple Scrapper and it's been a really exciting thing to be able to contribute to Spark. So thank you. Oh, my pleasure. I love having you on the team. You've actually been on our cover like twice in a row now. I feel a little guilty <laughs> doing that, but your pages were just so beautiful. Yes, it has to stop. It has to stop. <laughs> the others deserve so much more credit and there's so much amazing talent in that one publication. It's just incredible. So thank you. It's very been quite humbling. Um, but I really do appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm Teresa Moxley of Larkin Design. I live in a little tiny town in North Carolina called Kernersville. And it's like right in the middle of North Carolina, if you look at the map. And I live here with my husband of almost seven years, and we are a blended family. So he brings two children, and I bring two children, two girls and two boys. And I used to call them our tinies, but they're almost all taller than us now. So we've been outnumbered, and now we're outgrown. <laughs> um <laughs> They are ages 11, 14, 14, and 15. Wow, how fun. Yeah, it's um, never quiet, never dull when everybody's here. And uh, so, yeah, that's I uh, stay at home and try to keep everybody in line. But I think that's 
hopeless endeavor. They probably keep me in line. I'm sure. Yeah, I feel that about my family too. (laughs) (laughs) Because I probably wouldn't get out of bed some days if it weren't for them. So that's a good thing. And they give me lots to lots to document. There's lots to to photograph and and do and help them help them get to where they need to be. So it's a good life. It's 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 great here. Well, thank you so much for being on this episode. I asked you to join the podcast because I wanted to talk about your pocket pages. Now you do pocket oh, pages yes. and layouts, but yes. I just I'd noticed some things with your pocket page spreads and we needed to to dig under the hood a little bit. So that's what we're gonna be talking <laughs> about today. Um because okay. your pages are beautiful. Uh, but thank first, we you. always do this thing here on the podcast where we share what's exciting us right now. So what's exciting you, Teresa? Um, I think that in the industry right now, what is exciting me is mixed media. And it actually, I'm not using mixed media in my pocket page layouts, but in my traditional layouts, these mixed media backgrounds are just really drawing me in. There's something really therapeutic about putting paint on the paper and watching it react and, and letting go of this process and not being invested in the outcome, just letting the paint do what it does and then accepting that at the end of the day or at the end of the layout and just being like, wow, this is really cool. That is really, um, yeah, that's really lighting my fire right now. Well, I 100% swear I did not plan her to get her to say that. We are gearing up to... um, I'm I'm actually flustered here because I didn't know that you were going to share that. Uh, Let's see. May 15th is when our Mixed Media Backgrounds for Beginners class launches at Simple Scrapper. Um, We're going to have seven different (laughs) strategies for you to get just a little bit messy and get over any hurdles you have about using wet stuff on your scrapbook pages. And I'm really excited about that. You are going to have a great time. That is going to be an awesome class. Yeah, I'm so excited about it because I Mm -hmm. know that that kind of it's a freedom yet control that you described that when Mm -hmm. you're letting you're letting go of what's kind of happening in the background, but then Uh it almost becomes a challenge because now that's your new starting point. Here's this Uh background. Now, what is this background telling me about how I want to build the rest of the page based Uh on either where your paintbrush went or the paint flowed or the mist actually went because we know we never have control over where that mister is actually shooting. (laughs) Yes. So it's it's almost like letting things go, but then you have a new starting point and a new sense of control. Okay, it's almost like using a sketch because uh-huh. it gives you that that direction. And I think these mixed media backgrounds do that, but it's even more relaxing because you get kind of that tangible physical connection to your page, and you really get in the flow quickly. I think. Mm-hmm. It it and it's it's almost reflective of life, right? Because we can't control the outcome, but we can embrace the outcome and build on that outcome. And that's sort of reflective of our family life here and of my personal life. So I just love what that represents, um, aside from the creative part of it. 
It's really cool. Well, that that was beautifully said there. So <laughs> my, my pick is actually not related at all, switching gears here. Um, when we're recording this, this is the early access launch for the Erin Condren planners for 2019-2020. And so right before this recording, I was getting online to order my new planner for the next year because I'm already like scratching notes in the margins of my old planner. <laughs> try. I'm like, I need a July calendar so that I can put some things on. I need to plan my summer. You know, my kid's going to camp. And so I'm super excited for my new planner to come. And I don't know what it is about the Erin Condren planners, but this is the first planner I've actually stuck with. Oh, that's um, and cool. I, I know it's a combination of the planner itself and my own discipline in using it. But I, I love the system and I'm super excited to continue for another year. That is awesome. All right. So let's dive into our discussion today all about pocket page scrapbooking. And I'm curious to see how did you get started? Okay. Well, first off, let me um, give a little disclaimer for your listeners because my story involves um, domestic violence and childhood sexual assault. And so those will be mentioned. I don't give details, um, but I felt like I have to uh, clarify that so that your listeners can expect that. And because it is a part of my story and it is a part of why I do memory keeping and actually why I do pocket pages. Um, but I'll start from, I guess, sort of the beginning. Um, Alan and I, my husband, we got married in September of 2012. And at that time, pocket pages were really taking off. A lot of big names were diving into it headfirst. And, and for a while, I was like, yeah, okay, that's all right. That's cool. And then he and I got married and blended these two families. And anybody who knows blended families, is a blended family, knows that it can be really complicated. It can be really challenging. But it can also be really beautiful. Yep, 100%. I've been there. And yes. <laughs> Yes, it can also be really, really beautiful. And um, I wanted to be able to document, as I had already been scrapbooking for uh, probably eight years at that point, um, but I wanted to be able to keep up with what was happening, not necessarily on a daily basis, but on a weekly basis seemed like a good idea at the time. And... <laughs> Um, so for a couple of months, I stewed on it. I, you know, researched it, looked at what other people were doing, tried a couple of, um, what I call event-based pages. Mm -hmm. I remember my where, first pocket pages were like, I was trying to take the original approach to a layout. Like here's an event. Yes. It was Easter was the example. Let's see yes. how I can put this in a pocket page. Exactly. Um, so I did that for a couple of layouts in 2012. And then the last week of 2012, we went to Disney World. And when we came back, I started 2013 with my first <laughs> Project Life layout. It was actually a digital layout that I did. Um, I used like Elements 10 or something. I don't even remember. It's, it, was, it feels like it was so long ago. But it was a digital page that I did with Clementine, and it sat on my computer forever and ever because 
for some reason at that time I was really frustrated with Photoshop and the physical pocket pages just appealed much more. And so I just dove into that and did that. And that has sort of where, I guess that's where it all started from. And then over the years, I've just, I've tried, I feel like I've tried every kind of pocket page style there is. I've done hybrid. I've done full 12 by 12s. I feel like I've done it all. I've mixed up page protectors. Um, yeah, that's the start. What do you think <laughs> it is about these four by six and three by four pockets? I mean, whether or not we're quote unquote doing project life or, or just using pockets, what about that format works well for you? Um, there's a, there's a delicate balance in, um, telling stories for me in, in doing it in a healthy way. And these, these pockets make it less overwhelming. Um, especially when, when I have trauma in my background, I'm in active recovery and sometimes delving into a story really deeply can be really quickly overwhelming and re-traumatizing, but having a three by four pocket or having a four by six pocket makes it concise, makes it simple and it's not so overwhelming. Um, that's one thing. Uh, it's also the design is already laid out for you. So you're not looking at a 12 by 12 blank page. You're looking at individual elements on the page. Um, so by the time I'm sitting down to write the stories, I already have cards selected. I have my photos. So it just sort of comes together. I, I feel like for me, uh, a little easier um, just because the design is already done and it's, it doesn't feel so big. Perfectly said. I'm yeah. curious <laughs> and maybe you'll get to this is do you use any like flip ups or hidden journaling um, when you're documenting something that is, is harder for you? Well, first and foremost, when, there, when there's something that's harder for me, uh, I'm going to process that before I even come to the page. Um, I am very happy and very comfortable being six or eight weeks out. So I'm I'm behind <laughs> in quotation marks. But I'm okay with being a little bit further out and not being completely caught up because that gives me time to process, gives me time to process every day. Um it, our children also are processing and they're on their own journey. And so I don't want to include things in these pages that are going to be hurtful or, you know, that are going to make somebody go, what the world is she thinking that when she wrote that? I want to document the points along our journey that are that are indeed destinations where we ended up this week. So we might have been through a week of difficult conversations of therapy of, you know, what the width and breadth and depth of life, right? All of these experiences, but these pages represent for me where we ended up. We all ended up with these amazing, beautiful photos. 
right? Mm-hmm. And it's not that it's not that the photos are Ansel Adams photos. It's not that they're Norman Rockwells. It's that they are our life. <laughs> so I. I th- does that answer that question? I think. Oh, no. Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah. And I think you raise a really important point is that um, particularly folks who are, are doing maybe a weekly approach to Project Life, they feel like they constantly need to be caught up and, and really documenting uh-huh. life in real time. Yes. And, and you shared a lot of reasons why it could be more beneficial. It could be easier. It could be uh, even more meaningful to document just with that that four six even eight week you know period of reflection so that you can really capture what matters most and probably even cut out some of the clutter from doing it that way (laughs) sometimes you even need a few years and it's okay if you need to skip a week or skip a month because it was really hard and Mm -hmm. give yourself a few years or if even at all it's okay to to not include things at all well, yeah, and you're, and you're also highlighting hard. how important, how it, like, in the spirit of scrapbook your way, that we are all so unique in how yes. we, <laughs> what we need in our lives and how we process things and how we deal with life's ups and downs, that your strategy for scrapbooking may need to be tailored to that so that it is uh, consistently, you know, therapeutic and not difficult for you. Absolutely. And I think that for every project that we take on, we have to look at what do I need this project to do for me? Um, And and not every project has to do something for you. Like you can just make something just because you want to. Absolutely. But um, somebody else may come to Project Life and pocket pages and their family albums, needing something completely different from that experience. Um, that's just what I need for this. I need for this to to feel good. I need this to remind me that life is good, that everything today is is really good, and that that things are okay for us. Um, that's that's really why I do this is it's a daily, it's a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly reminder for me that everything is okay. And we're doing all right. Even though along the way it's, it's challenging. And Mm -hmm. along the way, there's some really difficult places where, you know, I can point to some weeks in these albums since 2012, where I didn't know if I was going to get out of bed that day. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's some points along in my recovery that I don't, I don't know if, if this is ever going to be all right. But I do have these seven years of albums <laughs> that, that say otherwise, that have concrete evidence. <laughs> this is concrete evidence that, here. That you're going to be okay, life. yeah. That, that we're okay, that, that we're doing right by these kids, that we are giving them a good life, that I, I have been given an amazing life and my husband has been given an amazing life and to me I don't know if there's I don't know if there's much else that could if there's other crafts that could do that for you oh I don't know I I, I don't think so I think that's <laughs> what I think that's why scrapbooking <laughs> is so special um we have this this very unique personal connection and, and while I don't want to discount the 
the love that goes into any kind of handmade item. Right. I mean, these are, are like words and, and photos that, that capture our, our true essence and our, our life of what's actually happening. All right. So you mentioned that you've tried every different approach and format to, to Project Life and Pocket Pages. What is your current approach and how did you get to that point of that being what was most fun or easiest for you? Um, I think that yeah, I mentioned that I went through a period of time where I was really frustrated with Photoshop and um, most people can probably express some agreement with the overwhelm of Photoshop as a <laughs> software. I'm sure yeah. anyone who's tried I, Photoshop at any point has felt frustrated with it. <laughs> that, yes, absolutely. Um, full full disclosure there. There have been times that I just uninstalled it completely and gave completely up. And in in 20 in the end of 2016, I I finally subscribed to the CC version and said to myself, I'm going to I'm going to wrangle this beast somehow. And so for 2017, I did hybrid pages and I had in 2016, I had used the Project Life app and printed them out and then added my embellishment. So it was a true hybrid format. And I really loved the 12 by 12 pages, but I felt um, limited by the, <laughs> believe it or not, I felt limited by the four by six and three by four pockets and the design styles that are in the Project Life app. And it's a, an amazing app. So uh, I still love the app. I still have it on my phone. I still use it sometimes, but I wanted to tackle the Photoshop thing that was standing in whatever it was that was standing in my way of really embracing it. And so for 2017, I said, all right, I'm going to make all my 12 by 12 layouts using CC and I'm going to learn this. I'm going to get familiar with templates. I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> and over that year, I, I really did come to love Photoshop and appreciate it and um, filmed a bunch of tutorials that year that are still on my YouTube and um, have I, I now love Photoshop and it's pretty much a part of my everyday. Um, but then what happened in 2017 was I felt like I missed the pockets. Um, and this sounds, it sounds funny just saying it because First, I went to digital pages because I wanted to get away from the pockets, and then I came back to the the physical pockets and the physical the the physical pages that were divided. There's something about them. I don't know um, what it is, but anyway, in 2018, I went back to the pockets, and in 2018, I kind of mixed up some of the design styles and I know that that's something that some people are like I I can't mix up I can't mix them up because what do I do with the back of, mm -hmm. the, of a different page and um so I tackled that and one of the the th one of the ways that I handled that was by again being a few weeks out 
if you're four or six or even eight weeks out or a year out, then you can plan those pages a little bit better. And so that's where I am in 2019 is just back to four by six and three by four pockets, just the traditional design A, doing what works, doing what's comfortable and just what helps me stay at least somewhat current, um, if not in the exact week. Uh, so it has, it, I have come a full circle in it, but I love that that's given me the opportunity to understand all of the different ways of doing this work. Um, and of course it's helped me <laughs> learn Photoshop <laughs> pretty well. So that's kind of my abbreviated journey there. All right, I have a couple follow-up questions here. So um, <laughs> do you think that even though you could pre-plan what was going to go on that backside or like really be strategizing what's going to go in these pockets before you even print your photos, do you think mm -hmm. the need to simplify that is why you went back to design A? That's a good question. I I don't know. Um I don't know that I can say exactly. There, there's been some evolution in my brand um, that, that ties in with, of course, what I do every day and some evolution in, um, I think that I, because I developed two classes in my pocket volume one and volume two um, and sort of probably learned as much, if not more, than my students can learn in those classes, um, just from diving deeper and just from figuring out what it what is it that has made this so successful for me? What has made me stick with it for seven years? What has made me finish uh, six years and redo one year? Um, that, that it's actually worked so much that these albums are complete. Um, and I, pro I think probably most of that can be found in my classes. We would need probably a couple of hours. <laughs> well, we can put those <laughs> links in the show notes for sure. Yeah. Yes. And, and it's all over. It's, it's in everything that I, everything that I create, everything that I blog about, Every time I share parts of my personal story, I, it's just what works. And I, I don't know that there is a singular answer. Well, I and that, I get that. I think we all yeah. need, particularly those of us who work in the industry too, often need to put a container around things to yeah. to be able to talk about it, to have some routine and consistency and to yes. help others find their own routines. And so I can see how that would inform uh, going back to something more uniform as well. Um, now, you mentioned just you little you dropped a little nugget in there that you redid a year. So I'm curious about that and what, what led to, <laughs> I did. to what led to that whole project. Um, I, before I do that, though, you mentioned routine. And, and that is a big thing is that um, some people do actually look for their memory keeping to be a routine and to be the same routine every, year after year after year. And life changes year after year after year. So our memory keeping will change year after year after year as well. Sometimes uh, some people can do the same, live the same life, work the same job, 
make the same kind of albums for 20 years. And I have a lot of respect for people who can do the same thing for 20 years. I'm not that person. Um, our life changes and our life is going through a significant change right now as the kids get older. And that's also been reflected in um, my pocket pages and in my layouts. So I did want to, when you said routine, that made me think about that part of it. Um, and then I'm sorry, what was your, your question after that back towards me that I'm supposed to answer? <laughs> Um, you had mentioned that you redid a year yes. of okay. Project Life. So I'm curious how you got to that point. Because I didn't want to skip over that because that was, I mean, that's not something that everyone does. That's not something everyone does. And it's it, it's a difficult decision to make. Um, and and it, comes, it all comes full circle um, because my 2013 year was the first year that I did Project Life. And I am in process of redoing that. It's completed. Um, the, the original one that I did is completed and it's a disaster. Um, it's, it, <laughs> it's a disaster in a lot of ways. Um, not a, not a terrible disaster. I don't say that to demean or degrade my work. I say that in terms of it's a disaster because of where I was emotionally. It's a disaster because of where I was with trying to learn this new style. Mm -hmm. um, it's a disaster because it just bugged me every every time I looked at that album spine. I sort of just cringed a little. Not because the pages were terrible. Not because the photos. Were I look back at those photos and I'm like, oh my god, I was hard on myself. For, I thought that those photos were terrible. Um, incidentally, I was learning how to use a DSLR at the same time. I got my first uh, this little Canon T3 um, and it's a, it's a great little beginner camera, but I outgrew it really quickly. Um, but I was hard on myself for those photos. And so I was also hard on myself for our experiences as a new blended family. And so I, I went through a really, um, a really thoughtful process of making the decision to redo it. And, um, that is included in my, in one of those classes. I think it's in volume two. Um, the exact questions that I asked myself and the process that I went through to decide that I needed to redo that album. Um, and a lot of it, a lot of it is probably more emotional than I realize. Um, because it's been, it's actually been freeing to go back and revisit that first year as a blended family, all these hard things that were going on and to look back now, knowing that, seven years out that we were okay. And, um, in 2013, I didn't know. And when, when Alan and I said, I do, we both didn't know. And, and we gave ourselves before we, because it's our second marriage for both of us. And mm -hmm. before we said, I do, we, we said, Hey, if at any time that this does not work out, we part ways, we give a hug and a kiss and we say, Hey, we tried. And seven years out, I can say, oh, my God, we tried. Not only have we tried, but we have slayed some dragons and, and we we've come out. Not it's not the end yet. Right. 
but we're seven years out and look at what we have done and look at what we have accomplished as a family and look at the documentation of that. Um, that it's not just, oh, we can talk about these memories around the dinner table, but we can pull these albums out at, at Christmas time, at Thanksgiving, we can pull these albums out and, and walk back through. And, and I just wanted to be able to pull 2013 album off the shelf without cringing a little bit. All right. I have so many things to say now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you are, yeah, you're a wealth of, of stories. Oh here. my goodness. <laughs> um, so first off, uh, I think one of the important points you made was about, we have to feel comfortable. And yes. if something is, is bugging you and nagging at you and you keep it, it, you're just struggling with it. It's okay to go back. It's okay to redo. It's okay right. to take a new approach and say, you know what, this, this isn't how this I want to leave it. And there's probably, mm -hmm. as you said, there probably is some sort of emotional or story relationship to that. Because oftentimes we think, oh, well, that that was terrible. That was so ugly. And we go look at it, as you said, with your photos. Oh, that wasn't that bad. What was I thinking? But when those it, photos are great. Yeah. I'm, I'm when like, it continues to nag yeah. on you, there's probably more to the story. There's mm -hmm. more that you need to peel back. And there's maybe um, a deeper reason why you need to revisit that. Yes. And and I want to just encourage um, revisit those in a safe space. Um, I'm a big proponent of therapy, big proponent of talking these things out where, you know, you're, you're not going to be judged and where it's safe for you to do that. And where you can process it in a healthy way. Oh, 100% for sure. <laughs> um, and, and then your story also reminded me, and I, I kind of have, I was mentally processing my own my own experience as you were speaking. <laughs> oh. um, so Steve and I got married in 2008. The boys were 12 and 16 at the time. Mm -hmm. And in 2009, that summer, we took our first big vacation together. We went, we drove mm -hmm. out to Montana from Illinois. And I had this whole elaborate plan. I'd had the, the digital kits and the templates picked out of how I was going to scrapbook this trip, you know, day by day. And I was going to organize it by these different activities that we were doing. And I never did it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But let's see, maybe two, three years ago now, I created mm -hmm. a photo book for it. And looking back, I 100% realized I wasn't ready to like emotionally go through that story yes. and what that trip meant for us as a blended family. Because yeah. that's what those, those that's what words came out when I was typing in the photo book software. <laughs> it was 100% about, you know, my relationship with Steve, with each of the boys, with all of us together and that dynamic. We were also like my parents went out there as well. So it was you know, oh my Steve's goodness. boys yeah. plus my parents. And looking back, I was like, that was why I couldn't scrapbook that in the time. And the end result that I have now is this beautiful photo book that perfectly captures, you know, what I learned from that experience. And it's 10 times as meaningful than if I had said, well, we, you know, we went swimming here and rode horses here. Now it's all about the people. Yes. I totally get that. I think that um, I I learned some of that when I did our Disney trip because our our Disney trip was very early um, after we had been married for four months. And you know when you travel as a blended family, whoo, that can get 
you're you're not just visiting a place. You're getting to know each other, mm-hmm. and you're getting to know each other's buttons, and you're getting to know who's who and the power dynamics and the the relationship dynamics and you're you're processing a lot of stuff um in in very it can be in very positive ways um but yeah you you definitely need a little time sometimes just to just to sit with it and sometimes just to see if it's going to be okay exactly just to see if yeah are are we really going to be okay and it's absolutely human to say that um because i can hear i can hear some critics now saying what do you mean you you blended your family and you put your kids through all this and you didn't know that it was going to be okay um that yeah that's exactly right (laughs) well i think if you've if you've been through an experience in life where you thought you were on the right track and it turns out you 110 percent were not on the right track (sighs) and you know you um there's a lot of like sense of failure in that, you know, yes. regardless of the circumstance and that you didn't plan for this to go yeah. this way at all. And, and now you, you're redoing and you, you have, everyone has positive or negative, that type of baggage you're going to carry with you into the rest of your life. Well, yes. And if, if you have trauma, then mm-hmm. you have PTSD yeah. and PTSD will make you think that those situations today are putting you back in that terrible situation that you were in before, which is why the grounding exercises um, and ph- photography, art, memory keeping, and even project life can be so helpful. And and probably for me, I can probably say for sure have helped have helped me um, to stay here and and to stay healthy here. Even when those, even when those hard times were uh, triggering, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. All right, awkwardly shifting gears back to scrapbooking here. <laughs> not a, I'm not, not sure how to transition from that. Um, That's not awkward. That's just a, a, a little silence for the, the for the respect of that. It's not awkward at all. Don't feel awkward. So I'm curious how you choose whether to create a layout or a pocket page when you have a story to tell. Um, I saw this question in your email and I had to think about it um, because it's really not about choosing whether to create a layout or a pocket page. Um, It's really for me about goal setting and um, because Touching back on the point of what do I need this hobby to do for me, right? What do I need to get out of this exercise, um, this, this creative activity? Um, it's also what do, what do I want? And then I'm, I'm working with Becky Higgins here a little bit. Remember a couple of years ago when she went through the whole what is your end goal mm-hmm. thing? And that really got me thinking about well, what is my end goal? And what do I want to, what do I want to leave behind? What do I want to, where, where do I see this hobby and this craft taking me in 10 years, both personally for our family and professionally? Um, and 
you know, Becky had us count. Do you remember when Becky had us count our albums just to see how many we had? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and it was a couple of years ago. I know I know that. Um, but I counted I had fifty-three albums. And I my husband laughs because every year I add about ten more, according to him. But <laughs> <laughs> and and that's okay. But that really made me analyze what how I felt about all of his albums and and the truth was that I didn't even see maybe half of them as being complete. And I realized that I needed to do some work on how could I help myself feel like these were completed albums. And so that created this, this pathway for me to figure out what are my goals? What are my overall memory keeping goals? And if anybody's listening that has taken my classes, they'll, they'll be familiar with this. What are my overall memory keeping goals? And then what are the immediate goals that I can reasonably accomplish this year? Mm-hmm. And for that, for those goals for me personally are, I want to document our family memories in, in Project Life, but I also want to do kids albums. Right? Because how could I be a professional memory keeper and not gift our children with their own albums? I also wanted to make layouts for myself and my husband and document our relationship. And I also want to do layouts about myself um, in the Things I Need to Hear album, which is a collection of layouts that I create about myself. I use selfies that I take every week. I took one before our podcast, so that'll become another another um, installment in that album. But it's basically the things that I need to hear uh, to affirm myself. Um, and so when I sit down to create, I'm already thinking about what album this is going to go in. Um, what is the context for this layout? I, I I'm a, I'm a former seminarian, so I'm always looking for the context, um, not just the individual layout, but what is the context? And that's something that I get really positive feedback on my YouTube from because people tell me all the time, you actually complete your albums <laughs> and they enjoy seeing that and they enjoy seeing the walkthroughs and the actual the, the, the whole context of why did I create this layout? How did it fit in with my overall scrapbooking goals, not just to sit down and create a layout? So for me, everything fits in an album. So it sounds like your your mental framework is, is similar to mine, or at least how I approached it in, in years past, where we may keep our, our layouts housed separately, but yeah. I was traditionally doing a lot of pocket pages for what's happening in our life. Uh-huh. Um, and if you take the, the Stacy Julian category approach, it was the things uh-huh. we do. And then the other categories are often, you know, this is about relationships and, and bigger things. Mm-hmm. And those, those where I, I spend my time creating layouts because it helps to balance some of the effort as well. It also helps me to prioritize what's really important. So that I don't go venturing off into la la land of something that doesn't serve me. Um, and I'm talking about, I'm talking about FOMO here, fear of missing out, where 
um, people, people, artists don't sometimes don't really know what, what project do I want to participate in? There's so many projects out there. There's so many ways of doing this and there's no right or wrong way. And, and every way that this, that this hobby can be done is incredibly valuable and beautiful no matter what it looks like. Um, but what, what, what serves my purposes and what serves our family. And so I can stay true to if it's, if it's project life, I'm all over it. If it's, um, you know, the things I need to hear album, I'm all over it. If it's kids albums, I'm all over it. And everything else becomes beautiful, but noisy for me personally. So everything outside of that is, is beautiful. I love fall, you know, for example, week in the life, right. That's going on right now. I don't do week in the life. Um, I feel like every week in project life is week in the life, but I love following along with others because of the, the creative value, the artistic value that's in that project. But I know that that project doesn't serve me. And so I don't have to be afraid that I'm missing out on that. I'm not missing out. I'm over here doing, I'm staying in my lane, so to speak, and I'm doing what I know serves me. Well, and also you, you have a plan for how you're getting maybe those types of stories documented. It may not be in the same type of format or the same approach, but those smaller everyday moments are being documented in in a strategy you already have. And so you can stay on course by not picking up something else. Yeah. And, and it's been interesting because, um, Touching back on the 53 albums and feeling like none of them were really complete. I've seen a progression since then. Um, and again, that was like four years ago. I, I've seen a progression now. All of my Project Life albums are complete except for 2013 and 2019, obviously. And now I can transition. I, I spent four years intensely focusing on getting those albums finished staying current with the current year or within a couple of months current, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and now that those are done, I can shift. And so the next overall goal, so the first overall goal was let's get the family albums in order. The next overall goal is let's get the kids' albums in order. So that is my I'm shifting into that and there are more that's part of why there's more 12 by 12 layouts that I'm putting out right now it's part of why a lot of them are kids layouts because they're going in the kids albums and that is now my focus for a couple of years and then we've got a a rising junior so in two years one of those kids will be on his not not on his own in terms of life, but he'll be on his own in terms of this is where I stop mm-hmm. doing his albums, um, and and I'm already I'm already preparing him for that. He he has his own phone. He has his own way of documenting his own life. So and then after he graduates, the year after that, the next one graduates. And so after all, after everybody graduates, then there will be another transition. And I think um, 
actually after the third one graduates. I think there will be another transition when it's just Natalie at home. Um, because the photography changes and the photography is changing right now because they're older and they're not home as much. We don't go to their school for their school parties as much. (laughs) And so the photography has, has slowed down a whole lot. And, and that's another transition. So, so can we summarize that your, your quote unquote, (laughs) begin with the end in mind strategy is very album focused and you have a clear vision of these are the albums, you know, this is the the body of work that I'm building and one or two may have more of a focus at one time versus another, but that's how you're directing your efforts. And when you're, you have an opportunity, whether that's external or your own idea, you have to kind of audition it and say, does this fit within my scheme or not? Yes. Because we all, there's always going to be way more things that we want to do than we can. Absolutely. And, and, you know, everybody has the same 24 hours in a day. Like people, I hear this so often. This is the number one complaint and you probably will agree with me. I think that this is the number one complaint in scrapbooking. I don't have enough time. Yeah. And, and what if we reframe that instead of saying I don't have enough time? Well, what is my priority? And, and what are the tools that I need to accomplish my personal priority? Because nobody has enough time. Amen. <laughs> no, that is that is definitely the the most common complaint. And it's, you know, I was I drank coffee way too late yesterday. And I'm laying in bed wide awake at 1am ruminating over how I personally don't have time enough time to scrapbook. And because I just I've, I've got way too much to do. And I have what obligations could I get rid of? And you know, why can't I, you know, get to my table more often? And so yes. I, I know that that's a universal problem. <laughs> Exactly. Like every person that's listening to this is nodding in agreement. Nobody has enough time. But how we prioritize and how we how we come to those prioritizations is as individual as our albums are. And then we have to identify what do we need to get there? And I I I think that that's something that, that that's kind of the framework that I built in my pocket on is what are the tools that I need? What are the tools that I've found have helped me? Um, what is the equipment? What is the technology? What is the, the organization that I need to help me get there? Um, what, is, what are the goal? What does the goal setting look like? Um, instead of saying, I'm going to finish my uh, 300, my 300 layout wedding album this year, right? That's a really abstract goal. How can I break that down into actionable goals to achieve those priorities? Because that's not something you can put on your to-do list because you can't cross that off in even a small amount of time at all. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But that's that's the tendency is like, you, you know, even if you write work on that giant album, what does that look like? How do you know when you can check that off? Is it a time period? Is it a certain number of pages? If you don't put any kind of boundaries on it, you don't know when you've accomplished it or not. Well, and then all of a sudden you're like, well, I don't even know where to begin. Mm -hmm. 
So where do you begin with a project like that? Where do you begin with your 2019 Project Life album? And it's okay. I know there's people out there who haven't started 2019 yet. And that's okay. Like, how do you even begin? Let's maybe narrow that down and focus on how you get started creating like a single page or a single spread. Well, obviously, you've got to gather your photos, right? You've got to gather your photos and you've got to gather your supplies. So how do you gather your photos? Are you using your phone? Are you using your camera? Are you using, is your husband giving you photos? Do your kids bring you photos? Are you grabbing photos from Instagram? Collect them all. Collect all of the photos that you, for this one particular week. And right now I'm doing bi-weekly spreads. So a layout is going to be week eight and week nine. So, where are those photos located? Can you access them easily? And can you can you quickly select what photos you want to include, which means which stories? Because I do I do really a lot of photo based stories in my layouts. That's the easiest way I know to again to break it down so that it's not so overwhelming for me. And so if I took a photo of it, it probably means something to me and I probably want to print it out and include it in these layouts. So uh, how are your photos organized? And, and that's a beast in and of itself for, for us 2000s people that take way too many photos. Um, how do we organize them? How do we print them? How do we, how do we design our pages? What product are we using? Are we going to use physical product? Or are we going to use digital product? Um, those are all the things that at, at any one of those places, it can become a stopping point, right? If you can't find your cable for your camera, then you're going to stop right there. Or if you don't download your photos from your camera, your, your process is going to stop right there. Oh, I, Unless I, you're I, using the app. Yeah, because... but. Beyond, I don't have enough time. The second <laughs> thing I hear most is right. that I, I I can't. I don't have the photos to scrapbook with. Like that's I'm right. ready to scrapbook, but my photos are this situation that's not in control and doesn't mm-hmm. support my process. And so that's mm-hmm. really it, it's a, it's a foundational step. And and I almost hate that because it can be overwhelming and it does take some time to refine your process so that it becomes easy and and not a big deal at all. But if you're going to do something that's routine in this nature and you have a system where you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're doing the same types of pages again and again, as is in Project Life, it's, it's pretty much essential or, or you're going to get consistently frustrated. Yes. And my response to that is that um, we come into this hobby and into this project with a lot of expectations of how it should look. And a lot of people think that they, in order to do Project Life, that they have to have 52 solid-filled weeks of solid-filled photos, two-page spreads. And if they're not doing that, then it's not worth doing at all. And so being able to identify your own pace of photography, how many photos you take a week, a month, a year, or per event doesn't even matter. Just identify that and scrapbook accordingly. 
So, like I said, um, our, our, my, my personal photography has slowed down because our kids have grown and I'm not in their school and I'm not in their face as much. So two page spreads or two week spreads have become the answer for me for that. Um, I'm not taking the volume of photos for a full two page spread every week. Um, some months I'm taking enough, barely enough for a two page spread itself in, in the months of July and June and July that, that those months slow down for me. And so those are probably more than likely going to be monthly spreads. Um, November is probably going to be a monthly spread for me because I'm getting ready for December daily, which is a very intensive, mm -hmm. um, project, a very intensive kind of documenting journey. So I think embracing what is your pace and how you take photos is as critical as setting goals, having good, having a good camera and having your favorite products around. Um, but, but we get hung up on this expectation that it's supposed to look a certain way. Well, and I think if that if that was the expectation that you have for every two page spread, you have exactly, you know, <laughs> what is it, eight photos and, and eight journaling yeah. cards that match up, there wouldn't be filler cards available. But there are yeah. there are pretty yeah. cards that have, you know, graphics <laughs> or words on them that can fill in all of those gaps depending on how many photos and stories that you want to use. That's right. That's right. But and and you and I are able to think about that um pretty open pretty openly. Other people might not be able to to think about it in that in that kind of a flexible way. Um rigid thinkers mm -hmm. probably probably struggle a little more with that. Um so in terms of my personal process, I right now I'm collecting my photos into monthly folders on my desktop. I keep the current year and whatever year, whatever other years I'm working on, which is 2013 in a separate folder on my desktop, separate from the family photo archive folder. Um, just so that it's easier. So I don't have to go through all the years to, to find it. And then, um, one of the things that I have developed recently and, I've come out with on my website is an action for uh, the action. It's a Photoshop action that you open the template and you place your photos and your journaling cards. And then the action breaks apart the layout into four by six printable images. And so boom, boom, boom. Every, the page is designed. Boom, boom, boom. You print everything and then you go to the fun part and, add your journaling and your embellishments. And so that has been a pretty big game changer for me in terms of speeding up the design process, speeding up um, how hard or how easy it is to select your photos. Um, I think that that's where a lot of people get hung up too is what photos do I want to include or do I have enough photos or do I have the right photos? 
and I could I could do a whole podcast with you <laughs> about about selecting the right photos in quotation marks, but um, <laughs> because there aren't any right or wrong photos, you put your favorites in. Um, well, that sounds like a super handy tool, so we definitely want to include that in our yeah. notes as well. So if you could send me a link and maybe you know an example of of how that works, that'd be terrific. Absolutely, and of course, there's um, tutorials and videos on my on my website and on my YouTube channel as well. It's just, it's something that has grown out of doing this project for seven years, creating classes and talking to students and other people who also do this style of memory keeping and what define narrowing down, like what is one of the biggest challenges and designing the page and printing the page are probably one of the biggest challenges that I hear every day. I Every day I see somebody saying, I need to print all of 2017. Yeah. And I just don't feel like doing it, right? And well, it's again, overwhelming when it's that many photos yes. at once, for sure. Yes, yes, um, absolutely. <laughs> one of the things that so. I kept thinking about was is, from the beginning is what is the role of Photoshop and, and hybrid? And it sounds like that's a, a really key part of the process in terms of how it makes it easy for you. I'm curious, how hybrid do you go with the products that you're choosing? Are you using digital scrapbooking products or are you using primarily physical products when it comes to your pocket pages and the, the more graphical elements? Um, I am pretty, pretty well rehearsed is that what I'm trying to say I'm pretty good at adding digital journaling cards and printing them out um, my personal challenge to myself is always how to get more digital elements on the page and I struggle with digital word art just my own my own personal opinions about my work <laughs> um, Others may have their opinions about my work, but um, the digital word art for me is a challenge to remember to use it, to know where to use it. That's not my strong point. But I do, um, as far as the ratio between digital that's printed or physical, is I, I don't know. Um, that would be an interesting statistic. I would say it's probably, it feels like 50-50. Um, because I, I'm just trying to think of what, what is coming through the door, right? Okay, sure. What, what mm -hmm. is, what is coming through the door? What's landing in my inbox or in my shopping cart? Mm -hmm. Um, and so of course I'm on the Celine studio design team, which is all digital. And so I typically do hybrid layouts for that team. Um, of course, I'm on your team and I haven't done any pocket pages yet for your team. Um, so I'm going to challenge myself to do that as a, as a follow up to this podcast. Um, but everything that I think everything that I've done for your team, no, I did one hybrid layout for your team so far. Um, the one about the house. Oh, okay, sure. Was, yeah. was hybrid. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, my my brain just went completely blank. 
Well, it sounds like um, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about giving yourself permission to, to mix and match and, and to let go of that yes. expectation that you're going to be 100% consistent with one type of product. And it's not always realistic. So it sounds yes. like you're printing, you know, uh, digital journaling cards as well as using pre-printed journaling cards and you're totally uh-huh. satisfied with the result of that are you handwriting your journaling on most of those yeah most of the time I do um honestly because even though I love photoshop and I I do a lot of work in photoshop obviously developing these actions um means a lot of work in the background but when I'm when I'm in scrapbooking mode I want to get in photoshop and get out <laughs> so I want to print and then I want to get creative. I'm in the mood to get creative when I'm printing. So I usually hand journal sometimes every once in a while. I'll use my old, my old typewriter, my old Smith Corona. Um, but I have to actually get up out of my chair and walk across the room to use that. So I don't, it's not as frequent as, it could be. So I'm mostly handwritten. I do believe in the value of our, our handwriting on our pages. Um, I, I lost my mom 11 years ago and any of the things that I have that have her handwriting on them are almost sacred. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I use that word in a, in a very, this is a treasure kind of way that can't be replaced and it it can't be replicated I can't call her on the phone and say mom write me a letter so I can or write me your journaling so you can so I can put this on my page I can't do that anymore and there will come a day for our children where there that will be the same reality for them and so our handwriting is even when we hate it um, cause I can't say that I absolutely love my handwriting. I, I don't have the patience to learn calligraphy or anything like that. Um, yeah, I've, I have well-documented so, yeah. challenges with, with loving my handwriting <laughs> and, and blog yeah. posts and videos explaining all the ways that I, uh, deal with that in terms of yeah. sometimes I write and sometimes I type, um, mm-hmm. and sometimes I embrace the difficulty and I use rulers and all these different tricks to make it okay because I do treasure that handwriting. Um, even though I only use it maybe 80% of the time. And you said, you said, um, the tricks that you use, I am constantly griping and complaining about the lack of line stamps for four by six journaling cards like even just a five inch dotted line stamp would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That would be pretty awesome. <laughs> and anything, anything that has lines. Um, my my favorite tool in my toolbox is the the Becky Higgins Project Life roller stamp that has the lines on it. It has dotted lines. It has dashed lines. It has a solid line. It has an asterisk line. Man, that thing is worth its weight in gold, but it doesn't weigh that much. But I'm going to need a link to that because I am not familiar it, with that tool. I'm sorry. They don't make it anymore. Um, so, yeah, the, the line stamp using tools that help you embrace your handwriting is a really important point. And, it, and for some of us, it takes more work to embrace that than others. 
what would your final tips be to to others to help them make pocket page scrapbooking a little bit easier and to make those pages really come together um, in a way that that feels good? I I think that we're we're all our own worst critics, right? And so the tendency is when, and even I do it too, when we sit down and create a page, we almost feel disappointed because it didn't look like what we imagined in our heads. And, and we've, we've come full circle here because we started with the mixed media journal or the mixed media journey of letting go of the expected outcome and embracing the actual outcome. And some of that is actually our perception and our own inner critics. And as a, as a survivor of, um, childhood sexual assault, I have had to face those inner critics that told me my pictures weren't pretty enough. My handwriting isn't good enough. My pages aren't pretty enough. My, (laughs) my, nothing is straight enough. All of these things, um, are for me have been echoed in real life by someone who actually did say to me some very negative things and some very hurtful things that I repeated that I internalized those and repeated those. And we all in some way repeat and internalize negative things that have been said to us throughout our whole life. And some of them we can identify, some of them we can't identify. But when we find ourselves saying, my work isn't as pretty as I'd like, or my work doesn't meet my expectations, we owe it to ourselves to unpack that a little bit, again, in a safe space, and get to a place where we can actually feel good about the work that we're creating on the page. Because in the end, it doesn't matter if you are Allie Edwards or Vilma Furstenberg, or you are little old me in my little studio with my plain Jane life and my everyday mundane family life and just carpool line every day. It's still beautiful and what we create and how we document our lives and, and what we're putting down on the page is beautiful simply because we did it and simply because the, the barriers that we cross to even get something on the page are bigger than anybody knows. Um, I'm the first person that will talk about, um, when I look at a blank page, all of those negative voices echo. When I press publish on a blog post or on a YouTube video, all of those negative voices tell me when I submit design team projects, those negative voices tell me you're not good enough. You're just a stupid girl. And I have to fight that every day. And we are all fighting that. We're all really brave. Um, you are brave in calling me today. I am brave in talking to you today. Our listeners are brave because they're listening and they're looking at how, trying to figure out how they can get their memories out on the page. And we're all being really brave and really courageous together. I'm a little bit speechless here. Thank you, <laughs> Teresa, so much for yeah. <laughs> this amazing episode. Well, I, you know, I, you. I went into this conversation thinking we were going to talk about <laughs> design. 
And it turns out we were actually talking about how we are designing our lives to celebrate everything that's good and everything that we've been through and how every story we can put into the world is worth it and and that that we're okay. Mm -hmm. And so, Teresa, I want to thank you again for being here. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you go away today. And remember that you do have permission to scrapbook your way. Hey, friends, one last thing. I want you to head over to simplescrapper.com and sign up for email updates. This is the only way that you can get exclusive podcast homework assignments sent directly to your email each and every week. Just look for that blue box to enter your name and email address so we can keep in touch. Take care.